The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. First down and 10, all side of 27 from his own 45. He's picked off Jimmy Ward, the star safety for the Northern Illinois Huskies. Picks it off, takes it down to the 30-yard line. It looked like they ran a curl flat. He might have had the curl open. He went to the flat. It's a safe call. He just underthrew it, Paul. He threw it behind the receiver. That's just a physical mistake. Well, he's made so few today, yep. and what a costly one. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This features Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' home game against the FCS Missouri State Bears. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Missouri State's Terry Allen. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast, as well as Balbinat's Press Box Report. The Iowa Northern Illinois game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with an all Hawkeyes crew of announcers, Paul Burmeister, Chuck Long, and Danon Hughes. A nice job calling this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about the importance of winning as part of his team's progress. Uh, You know, the next step is, you know, you have to learn how to win. And uh, that's one thing, just looking backwards. There were a couple opportunities Saturday where we were real close, I thought, felt like we were close. to maybe turn in the game, and and uh, but we just couldn't quite get it done. You know, the first thing that jumps to mind is probably our first four or five possessions there in the second half. Yeah, you know, a lot of near misses, but those are the things that keep you from uh, moving forward. And mentioned the turnovers, but uh, the false start penalty, you know, not being set on the sneak. Uh, I mean, we had one of those a couple of years ago too. Those those things come back and hurt you a little bit too. Near miss on a long pass. So those little things add up, and that that's kind of the next step that we have to take. Kirk was asked about his variable-paced no-huddle offense under offensive coordinator. Nader Greg Davis and running some hurry up as well. Yeah, that'll be week to week, you know, but I thought for the most part we operated pretty well Saturday. Um, communication for the most part was pretty good. It was fairly effective, but, you know, we still want more points and, you know, yardage is one thing, but, you know, when you get the turnovers and come up short on points, that's that's tough. But, you know, we did a better job when we got in there. At least we finished with some touchdowns. Yeah, and there were a couple actually where the uh, officials kind of slowed us down a little bit too. We would have liked to go on a little quicker, but, yeah, it's something we started on, you know, in, in full in the spring. And as I said, you know, we'll choose week to week how much or how little we do of it. But um, it's something our guys are executing a little bit more proficiently if we think we can 
you know, use it to our advantage, we'll try to. Ference talks about the play of his first time starting quarterback, Jake Rudock. Again, I'm not, I'm not as hung up on how many snaps he got last year as, as uh, a lot of people are, but anytime you start a new player, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're always curious how they're going to react. But obviously a quarterback, it's a whole different deal. They've got a lot on their plate. You know, I, th- I think for the most part, Jake really handled things well. His demeanor on the sideline was good. He was calm, uh, confident. He was uh, The feedback that, that we got from him was really accurate. You think they know what there's, what's going on. You hope they do, and some guys give good feedback. Some don't at all positions, but it was really good. So, yeah, his awareness was good, and... Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it was, I thought, a real positive first step for him. And, and we like our other two quarterbacks, too, CJ and Cody. But uh, all three of those guys have practiced well. And, yeah, you're never sure how, how it's going to go until the you know the lights go on and you get out there and play. So, yeah, I thought it was a you know positive first step. We wanted to win the football game, obviously. But, uh, yeah, there were some good things that happened, certainly in his, in his uh, neighborhood as well. I asked Kirk about the difficulties opponents' fast-paced offenses pose for making defensive substitutions, especially nickel and dime packages. It, it's tough. And uh, I know Phil was commenting. I didn't get to see a lot of games, but there there, are, there were some substitution issues. Uh, apparently Friday night, uh, whatever game was on TV, and that's one of the factors about it. That it, it makes it a little bit tougher to get guys on and off the field. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught with 12 or 13 guys out there. So you know, if somebody's going in, they got to get in, and that communication has to happen quickly. You have to anticipate it, and then you know it may be a situation where you you know hey nickel group or dime group get ready, and then you just got to pull them back because that that situation doesn't develop. But we better be ahead of the curve on that. And Ference talks about the advantages of playing against Missouri State's 3-4 defense, which the Hawks will see later in the season against teams like Wisconsin and Ohio State. I, I think so. Uh, the team we played last week was very different than what we are defensively. You know, their defense is opposed to ours, so that that was a transition, and it uh, we'll, we'll see a lot of that look uh, during the course of the season. You know, it's kind of like what we do is really almost very different than what everybody else does so it's 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 good to, to get a change and I think same thing here yeah blocking is still blocking but the communication is a little different against the 34 team and it's uh, it, it causes a few adjustments and what have you so I, I think there is some benefit you know and we'll, we'll keep getting more more of that as we go along I'm sure Next, we hear from Missouri State's head coach, Terry Allen. Allen talks about playing against Iowa at Kinnick Stadium in a homecoming for him. Well, it's a great opportunity. Obviously, we've never played a Big Ten school before. Very proud of the teams in our league uh, with uh, North Dakota State and obviously Northern Iowa and and Southern Illinois. So we'd like to duplicate what they did. Uh, It might be easier said than done, but uh, looking forward to going back to Iowa City. Allen discusses the play of his offensive line and the Bears' season opening loss to Northwestern State. Yeah, well, we struggled a little bit earlier. Obviously, that was kind of the culprit of the game. We didn't uh, get our defense off the field in the, in the first quarter, but I thought they settled down. We only gave up the, the one sack, so I think we'll be okay up there. They just hadn't had a bunch of opportunities to practice together, so I think they'll be okay. And Allen talks about the level of competition in the MVFC. Well, I think in, in the Valley, first of all, when we won seven, uh, it, the Valley wasn't as good as it is now. Uh, the teams we batted and the emphasis that's been put on football throughout the league, you know, I, I think, you know, <laughs> You know, this last weekend exemplified how good a, a league the Valley is, and it's just hard to, to move up in it because there's so many quality teams. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> how many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer production just makes sense. 
Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook shows with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. And you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks ahead at the Missouri State game and more. Scott, any closing thoughts on the loss to NIU? Well, you know, it's funny. When you look back at the the game itself, I mean, your first initial thoughts are, wow, this team is in a real tailspin. Seven games, seven losses in a row, losing again at home to a MAC team. But then when you start to analyze it, go back through the game, maybe remove a little bit of the initial emotion from it, you realize that uh, on defense, I think some of the, most of the issues, in fact, were were correctable. Uh, there was some miscommunication in the secondary. That's going to get improved from week one to week two. Those are the issues that tend to get cleaned up a little bit more quick, uh, quickly. Uh, the pass rush is still an issue, but they are experimenting a little bit, so uh, that remains to be seen if that'll be improved. Offensively, it's a little bit more systemic that you wonder if, if it's possible for Iowa to, to really grow and develop into what they want, which is kind of an odd combination of a power running game and a quick twitch passing game that's more horizontally based. And I'm not sure that that's going to work, but but I'm not sure that it's not either. I just think right now it's kind of an odd combination. They're working through it. Iowa played a brilliant uh, second quarter offensively, but then late in the game they got a little predictable, got a little conservative in the style, and it really cost them. So uh, my lingering thoughts are, going forward, uh, defensively the, the errors will be correctable, but I'm not sure if the pass rush will get improved. Offensively, though, I don't know how this is going to mesh going forward when you're playing better athletes. That's going to be a real question for this team going forward, and we'll determine the difference between whether or not they go to a bowl game, whether or not they're going to win big games. Turning to Missouri State, Terry Allen, a bit of a homecoming here. It's the first game in this series. It's Allen's eighth year with the Bears, where he's really struggled in terms of his record. He's only 28 and 50 down there. But he had a very successful run at UNI. How much do we know about the Bears? Very little, really. It's, uh, you know, they run on defense. They run a 3-4, and that's, that's going to be actually good practice for this offense uh, because Wisconsin and, and Ohio State uh, also run a 3-4. It's a new look for them, so... Uh, this will give them a good practice. Uh, Missouri State's got a couple of good players, which is what you find at most FCSs. Kids have just got overlooked a little bit here and there uh, and or, or were asked to walk on and decided to take scholarship instead, starting with uh, Caleb Schapitzel, a very good German name there. He's an All-American safety. Uh, was last year, this year as well. He's a junior. Uh, he's going to be a guy they're going to have to watch out for uh, because he could play at the Big Ten level. Uh, you know, he's, he's a, a guy I'm really surprised got overlooked. And then they also have a really good receiver named Dorian Buford, uh, who's a senior, and he was a first-team uh, All-Valley guy, and he would be also in that neighborhood. And then finally, at defensive end, a guy named Anthony Grady, who's a, a bigger guy. Again, they run a 3-4, so they need that kind of position. And he's a pretty decent performer. But by and large, this is a team, especially even in the Valley, lacks the talent that some of the other schools do, certainly that Northern Iowa does, and of course not in, in the same breath as, as North Dakota State, 
However, they did compete with North Dakota State last year. Uh, this is a team that's uh, that struggled, uh, struggled recently. Last year it did. So, and then, then last week they had opportunities to win, but that uh, St. Dorian Buford dropped a couple of passes uh, in a key juncture of the game. They lose at home by six points to Northwestern State. And this is a program that's got a fairly good tradition in a very good recruiting area in southwest Missouri. And you start to see the doors starting to close on Terry Allen, which is unfortunate because yeah, most of us in these parts understand it, know what he did at, at Northern Iowa. On defense last week against Northwestern State, probably their star player that day, at least based on stats, was a guy named Andrew Beisel. He had 10 tackles, two passes broken up, and his first interception. And, and uh, you know, they, they do have a few players here and there, uh, but by and large, that again, that's an FCS versus FCS game. And then they lost, and they lost it at home. I, I, this is a team that Iowa really shouldn't have any issues with. You know, the, the quarterback had some issues last year, Kara Harris, uh, you know, good running guy, but not as good of a passing threat. They do have another quarterback uh, named Ashton Glazer, who did have similar issues last year. But, uh, you know, what one interesting uh, kind of connection, if you will, is uh, one of their assistant coaches, a guy named Bet Barkham, uh, played at Iowa State. He's from Muscatine, and his brother CJ played uh, tackle at Iowa about 10 years ago. So uh, there are a few little connections as well. The Missouri State runs a spread, more or less a hurry-up, but certainly Harris is not the kind of quarterback Iowa faced last week in Jordan Lynch. No, a little different, a little quicker, but Jordan Lynch gives them a really good... Uh, and Harris is probably more than the line of maybe what they'll face a uh, Braxton Miller or a, uh, uh, a King Coulter, but but that's only in style, not in results. He's this guy's uh, this guy will give him some practice. They'll need to run after him. They'll they'll chase him a little bit, which will help him out on film. But uh, but again, the, the challenges for this team, I think, for Iowa going against the Missouri State is to play as best as it can, uh, and that includes no turnovers, be efficient on both sides of the ball. They're going to get. Uh, they're going to get Missouri State's best shot, obviously, because this is a team that they i mean—they want to play against a quality big league opponent like Iowa. And you can bet Terry Allen wants to come here. He's an Iowa City native and wants to show Iowa and everybody else you know, what kind of quality product he has, despite the, the woes that he's had as, as an eighth year as coach. However, this is more about Iowa than Missouri State at this point. Just picking up on what you said a moment ago, Marv Cook in his show this week said that Iowa should go into every single offensive series planning to score and while he felt badly saying that you know in terms of running up a score on another team he said that really has to be their mindset going into this game is this game more about Iowa both offensively and defensively working on improving their own schemes and plays and it is specifically trying to counteract what Missouri State might be doing I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think this is a this is more about working on what you need to work on. Um, next week is the big game, really, of the first month of the season, and then maybe uh, at this point in the career of where in the juncture of the career of Kirk Ferentz. So I think right now, Kirk Ferentz traditionally doesn't like to run up the score. He doesn't put a lot of points on teams, even if they could. You know, this is the traditional forty-one to seven type of game. I think you put it to sixty-three to seven. I think you score 
each and every time you do it. Get success. Make your team feel good about it. On defense, put the pressure on. Don't let up on the gas pedal, even if it's in the third quarter and and you're sprinkling in some guys. Score every time. Hold them every time. You need that confidence. Seven straight losses for a program not used to that is is not healthy right now. Uh, So scoring on each and every possession. Five minutes in the fourth quarter, don't shut it down. Go for the throat. Go for 63 points. Mark Wiseman sitting at 915 career rushing yards already. He should go over 1,000 in this game, and maybe fans will get their first uh, official viewing of LaShawn Daniels. Yeah, it seems to be the case. I was really surprised he didn't get a series or two in the hot weather the other day. So uh, I do think, uh, you know, Wiseman gets his carries as Will Panzeri and Bullock and, and then LaShawn Daniels. I look for him to play probably in the second quarter at some point, unless the game is much, much closer than we expect. So LaShawn Daniels, I really like what he brings. He's a big physical guy, but he also has quickness. He's kind of in that Sean Green, almost Marcus Kokrich style of football. He may be the future of the position. Uh, he doesn't have the, the uh, experience that, that Damon Bullock and Mark Wiseman have, but I think the skill set is more of a combination of the two, which can be beneficial for Iowa down the road. Rudock played pretty well, really, against Northern Illinois. I mean, I know everybody's remembering that last pick he threw, but he played a pretty heady game. I think most people agree with that. This game is almost ideal, both in the schedule and the opponent, in terms of letting him continue to develop and, and get more experience. But, you know, you also look at this game as an opportunity, unlike last year, to see at least one, if not both, of the backup quarterbacks. So how do you think Ferentz balance is continuing to get Rudock all the in-game reps he can versus maybe taking a quick look at those other two guys. Well, I think judging from the past and, and what I would assume probably happens, and that is that Iowa, if Iowa's up five touchdowns in the third quarter, you'll see a second quarterback. If they're up four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you'll see a second quarterback and, and, and maybe even three touchdowns there you know, in the fourth quarter as well. So I, I think he needs to get a look, especially at somebody like C.J. Beathard, who has really now become their number two. Uh, and he is only a redshirt freshman, so uh, and his trajectory may be a little higher than Rudolph. However, Rudock, as you said, I thought he performed fairly well. You know, he got away with a few passes late, and then he got caught when he kept trying to do that same type of pass, uh, both the hitch and the, and the out, where they got snipped out by the end. So I think, uh, you know, Jake Rudock's performance was kind of at a C-plus, B-minus level. Through the first maybe three quarters, it was probably at an A-minus, B-plus level. He really found open receivers. He moved the ball effectively. He played with poise, threw to the right guy in both situations. But then in the fourth quarter, and I'm not so sure if it was schematic uh, play calling or it was just uh, his uh, effectiveness. Of course, the last pass was a bad pass, but I'm not sure the location was where it needed to be either. Uh, but by and large, I thought for a debut, it was a pretty good performance. And against most opponents, especially the traditional ones Iowa opens up with, it would have been a winning performance. Now, despite last weekend being pretty bizarre in terms of FCS versus FBS programs, including two wins by MVSC teams, North Dakota State over Kansas State, and of course in here in Iowa, UNI beating Iowa State. You've already made your prediction. What will be your keys on this game? Who? What will you be looking at? I want to see I want to see the offensive passing attack to see if it shifts a little bit towards the tight ends. The tight ends were targeted only 5 out of 37 passes on Saturday. 
this is a unit that Kurt Ferris really touted as the best unit on his team. He can go five deep with guys he's confident in, including C.J. Fedorowicz, who's a 6'7", almost 270-pounder, who since day one we've compared to guys like Rob Gronkowski. So why aren't they going more uh, to their tight end, and why are they forcing them to run more under routes it's, uh, before the secondary? It's causing everything to get clogged up the line of scrimmage, and you wonder, get them a little bit more vertical. They got vertical a couple of times, but not, not nearly enough, not compared to where they used to go. So with those advantages, I want to see how involved they get with with that. And then likewise, they've run so many outs and hitches with guys that just uh, last year it was an issue, and this year I'm not convinced it's not an issue, and that's not quick twitch guys. You could say beat guys off the dribble. Now, you want to advance the ball. If you get five yards of a completion, great, but defensive backs are there for a reason. <laughs> They're going to sniff it out. That's what happened at the end of the game the other day. So I want to see, are they going to vary their routes a little bit? And if that's the case, if they can get a little bit more vertical with the tight ends and if they can vary their routes on the outside, I think that this team's got a chance uh, to, to make pretty good strides on offense. However, if it's similar to last year, if it's similar to what it is to, to Northern Illinois, I'm not so sure with this schedule that I'm going to be convinced that they're going to be able to, uh, to long-term be able to you know, be successful. And then so kind of short-term it, I want to see if they if they can do more of this against Missouri State, because if they can, if they can show more looks, if they can show more progress, then I think it can parlay into the future. But if they don't, if they continue to do what kind of they did the other day, then you start to question whether they'd be able to do it at all. Yeah, sticking with your tight ends point, I know you engaged this past week in some tweets and uh, conversations about the overall concept of Davis's scheme and the use of the tight ends. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, C.J. Fedorowicz, uh, who, again, we've all thought of as, as a really strong NFL candidate. I, in fact, talked to an NFL scout a couple of weeks ago. He says he thinks of him uh, somewhere between the second and early fourth round. He can't imagine him going any later than that. And uh, yet last year, for a starting tight end under Ferris, he had the, the lowest uh, yards per catch out of any, any starting tight end. And that's that's not good, obviously. Uh, you know, I mean, you look back at guys like uh, Brandon Myers, who starts for the Giants, Dallas Clark going way back, or even and Scott Chandler. Uh, their yards per catch were up three to four yards from where from where Fedorowicz is or was last year. And and you look at a guy like that, he caught 45 passes last year, but for 9.6 yards a catch. That's that's too. You're not using your guys to their best uh, abilities, and so you wonder, does Davis' style negate the, the importance of the tight? End. And if that's the case, you're going almost in reverse of what your philosophy always has been with Idaho, which is to have that good tight end kind of prospect. They have four guys right now in the NFL who are tight ends, and one other one, Tony Moyaki, once he comes out of off the injury, uh, is an injured shoulder, he's going to be there too. So you could have the potential for five NFL tight ends. However, your system is not enabling your tight end to be successful, and that can harm you in the future. Looking at uh, Ferentz and the Hawkeyes, seven losses in a row. I'm assuming everybody thinks they better break that losing streak in this game or all kinds of stuff is going to break loose. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that they lose this game, and I can't even really imagine it being very close. Uh, last year, you know, there were a couple of games I really thought Iowa would win a little bit more decisively, and Central Michigan was one. So that was probably the biggest surprise I've had covering Iowa as far as a loss goes. Uh, this team is better than last year. I mean, you know, all the negative discussion I've just thrown at you a little bit is, is really uh, small because
because I do think they've improved in every single area. However, you also look at the Big Ten is pretty good to, uh, lead too, and, and their talent is at is at least equal, if not better, than Iowa in both games. So you, you just you want them to get better. If they lose this game, the out the backlash against parents against Iowa will be stronger than it's ever been, and that includes the two and eighteen beginning to his Iowa coaching career. So with that, I think this is a decisive win. I think Iowa uh, make looks good doing it, and I think it, it'll set up the most intense Cyhawk series game in, in series history. Thanks, Scott. See you Saturday. All right. Thanks, John. All party guides. Great plan. Final play of the game. Right here. Rudolph. They've got to keep it alive here. It's a wide open Don Schumper. Ball's off the ground, and it is scooped up by Rudolph. And he pitches it back to Doozy, and the ball eventually goes out of bounds, and that's how it ends. The Northern Illinois Huskies made it to a BCS Bowl game last year with 12 wins. They have one win this season, and what a huge win it is coming to Iowa City and knocking off the Big Ten's Iowa Hawkeyes 30-27. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and special thanks to Scott Docterman as always. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.